You're listening to the DC Real Estate Podcast, the podcast where we focus exclusively on all things local to the DMV area. Local investors, local knowledge, local experts. Our journey starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the DC Real Estate Podcast. My name is Russell Brazil. I am an associate real estate broker with Arla at Properties. And my name is Sarah Frank. I am an agent licensed in DC and Maryland, also on Russell's team, the District Invest Group. And uh, so it's, we just got back from Thanksgiving break. Yes. And went home. I have a small family. I really wish I had a big family. Maybe one day I'll have a big family. I want to marry into like a huge Italian family or something. Not, but, it doesn't have to be Italian, but just like lots of siblings. So I just have Emma and it's great. I love Emma, but it's just a little boring. I don't know. I feel like the more people you have is the more people to fight with. So Yeah, but that's exciting. Something to do. Yeah. I don't know about that. My family and I would just argue over like what Ken Burns documentary we're going to watch. And my dad falls asleep in the first 10 minutes. And then, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that sounds like an exciting Thanksgiving. Yeah. So you're from uh, Southern Maryland originally, right? So you were, down, you were down there? Yeah. Uh, I would say St. Mary's County. Well, when I ask people ask me who don't live in the DMV, I say D.C. It's really two hours south of D.C. But <laughs> Is it, it really that far? Yeah, it's about, well, so where I used to live in Columbia Heights, because you have to get to the highway and then drive down, you spend 30 minutes just getting to the highway yeah. south of Navy Yard. And then, so yeah, it was two hours. It's actually faster from Baltimore because... I just pop out onto 95 and can, and I can just go straight down on the highway. Hmm. But yeah, everyone thinks that it's the Eastern shore or they just don't know where it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. We just, um, we ordered from Maggiano's pre-made meal. Is that, it's Italian place. Yep. But it, Sounds it, Italian. it was all like normal Turkey mashed potatoes, but they included pasta too. You like the, the classic stuff. You know, I get kind of bored with the classic stuff, to be honest. Turkey uh, sucks. It's dry. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm rather have a roast or something, but. Yeah. The only good time I've ever had turkey is, you know what a sous vide is? No. It's basically a fancy way of saying boiling something, but you're not really boiling it. It's like this pressurized tub of water and this thing that sticks down in it. The French use it all the time. That's why it's a French name. But it's the only like good way to cook turkey. Other ways either burns your house down or it's super dry. Yeah, like I'll, every year there's always some idiot that burns their house down from mm-hmm. trying to deep fry the turkey. Yeah, yeah. Blows up their garage or something. Yeah, so uh, we'll probably do a roast for Christmas, I think, but we'll do the same thing. We'll order order, order a pre-made it. meal. You don't cook? You're not big chefs? No, I mean, it It kind of sucks uh, spending three, four, five hours cooking to have a 20-minute meal. It's the, like, labor of love, though. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's I good to have 15 the, children, make them all I rather help. spend the 200 bucks and get it all pre-made and it, it arrives warm and yeah. just pop the top and eat. Right. And you end up spending more than 200 bucks anyway, making it yourself because you yeah. forget something. You have to run back out, time value of money, all that stuff. And then the kitchen's a disaster from, you know, all the prep work and yeah. the cooking. Um, and there's hours and hours yeah. of cleanup. Yeah. So yeah, we've been uh, we've been ordering in from pre-made restaurants for I don't know four or five years now, and it's changed our lives. Do you just pick it up and heat it up at home? So this time it was actually like came right out of the oven at Maggiano, so it was mm-hmm. basically serving temperature when we got it home. Sometimes like we've gotten it from like Wegmans before, and in which case you get it pop it in the oven to heat it up. Yeah, you better have tipped really good, whoever was working. 
I don't. I I think we tipped them, but I'm not sure. To be I honest, it's Thanksgiving. Got to tip yeah. everybody. So um, let's talk. Let's dig into our topic for this week. We're talking about mislisted multifamilies. It's one of the topics I am most passionate about. Yes, take it away, Russell. I'll give the caveat that I had no idea that the damage was as extensive in this topic until I read your little, well, there's going to be a blog post. Yep, there's going to be a blog post. Uh, we're going to try to be posting a weekly blog um, from here on out. So this will be the first one getting published this week. Yes, yes. And if you have any um, writing tutors, they can help me. Yeah, so let's talk about mislisted multifamilies. What do I mean? I mean, Legal multifamilies that get entered into the MLS into the single family section of the MLS. So this is a huge problem. Right now, I've got the numbers in front of me. So in DC proper, there are, oh goodness, 115 properties listed in the multifamily section of the MLS. So 115 total in the multifamily section. But in the single family section, there are 54 legal multifamilies listed in single family home for it lists a single family. So that's 32% of all multifamily properties. But Russell, how does this happen? It's because agents don't know what they're doing. What? Um, I hate to call people idiots. Um, and it's not that they're idiots. It's just that they've never sold a multifamily. So they don't even know that there's a separate section of the MLS specifically for multifamilies or they're handing, you know, they're handing this off to their admins or their listing coordinators and they're not as experienced and no one follows up to actually check to make sure it's entered into the right spot. And so why is this a problem? Well, the reason is if you're a multifamily buyer, where are you looking? You're looking you're setting up an auto search for multifamily properties. And so when that auto search is created, it's only capturing the properties that are properly listed. So as of right now, there's 54 properties in the MLS that have that are multifamilies that have never been mailed out to a single buyer specifically looking for multifamily properties. Right. And so I will say sometimes I've had, I'll find a single family that's a single family. It presents as a multifamily yep. and the agent will have listed it as a multifamily. And then my, my uh, buyer will send it to me and be like, Oh my gosh, let's buy this. What a great price. And I'll be like, well, the zoning is all whack. It's non-conforming or something. So is it up to the agent to confirm all the zoning and everything before? I would say yes. Um, now it's not their job to fix the zoning, right? but they should be familiar with it. Um, it's very simple. You click on the tax record, it tells you how many unit legal units are on the property. Mm -hmm. um, and in DC, we look at the usage code, 0023, 0024, 0025, and it tells us what can legally be used on this property. It's very clear in DC. Baltimore is a little more complicated, so it's not as easy in Baltimore, but DC is very straightforward on this. You know, and I'd say 90... More than 95% of the time, probably not quite 99% of the time, the tax record listed units is correct. Now, I have run into situations where it says there's two units and there's actually a third legal unit or vice versa. So here and there, they're not correct. But for by and large, they are correct. Right. And so you have your exact procedure you go through when you're looking for these mislisted properties. But for someone who maybe doesn't have the experience, and we're not going to, you're not going to divulge all your secrets, but... Visually, what can you look for in a mislisted property that gives you the indication that it is, in fact, a multifamily? Yeah, one of the key indications that I look for is, so I look at row houses. 
Um, and a, a multifamily is typically going to be at a certain price point. So I'm typically looking over seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars. Um, but one of the things that one of the requirements for a property to be a legal multifamily is front egress out of the pro- property. So I'm looking for a basement entrance in the front of the property. Um, that's a visual cue that I should inquire more as to whether this is a legal multifamily, a single family. Maybe it's maybe it's neither. Maybe it's property with an ADU. But that front entrance, um, or if I see multiple electric meters in the picture, um, that tells me to start digging deeper into what the usage of this property is. Okay, so meters, the front entry. Front entrance. I know in Baltimore, a lot of the duplexes will have a rear entrance. That's just kind of the way that they're laid out, a lot of DC. We don't see as many front entrances to basements in Baltimore. Right, I think it's something to do with like the street layout and such. And in in DC, there's most of the time on these big houses, there's might be parking in the back, but sometimes you're up against another row of houses. So there's no way to enter through the back versus Baltimore. We have very clear alleyways. Um, but yeah, so in some parts of Baltimore, you see the front entrance, but usually it's so awkward and tight that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Cause they're, they're much smaller properties in right. general. Um, and they're also usually right up on the sidewalk, right? Mm-hmm. So the DC ones are usually set back with a little bit of yard space. So yeah. there's more logical space to put them, but but the, it's a legal requirement in D.C. that that front entrance be there for a legal multifamily. Um, and so, again, they're not getting mailed out to these buyers. They have no idea. And so what do we – why is this a big deal? Well, now this property sitting on the MLS and it's not getting marketed to the right buyers. Um, and so it sits longer. And to the untrained eye, it looks like an overpriced single-family home when in mm-hmm. – fact, it could be reasonably priced. Right, right. And so for the buyers looking, so we sometimes have buyers looking for a single family and we'll nudge them towards a multifamily if they're house hackers or, yeah. or whatnot. Is this the ideal thing for them to find then? Is is do you, How do you capitalize on this? You yeah. definitely don't bring it up to the listing agent. No, I never bring it up to the listing agent. Uh, the way you capitalize is you're almost always going to walk into a huge amount of equity because you're going to be able to buy this property for less money than it's actually worth because it's not being marketed properly. So I estimate that on average, these houses that are mislisted will sell for between 3% and 7% below their actual worth. And when I looked at uh, what that meant, we're basically looking at on average, so this number used to be 100,000, but today on average, a house that's mislisted will sell for $127,000 below what it's actually worth. Dang, that yeah. hurts. So if the property should be worth a million twenty-five, sometimes we're seeing these sell for $900,000, right? So you're, if you're able to capitalize on these mistakes, you're walking into huge, huge amounts of equity. Right. And a lot of buyers don't know, but the difference in financing isn't going to be different for a duplex versus you can use a conventional loan on a duplex is when you get over before you get into four or five, six units or even a like a uh, four unit you can buy sometimes with conventional financing owner occupied. So there's no need to disclose to the selling agent, the listing agent that you know that it's a duplex and that you need to negotiate it as such. You just go along with the single family thing until No, the and end. again, the listing agent, they they often know it's a duplex. Right. They just don't know how to properly advertise it in the proper section of the MLS. Right, right, right. And if they don't know how to put it in the MLS properly, they're probably not advertising it to the proper buyers in their other avenues, Instagram, Facebook, right. direct mail. Um, so again, they're... 
they're costing these sellers just millions and millions and millions of dollars a year. Again, 54 legal ones on the MLS right now. If you want to list these 54, hey, drop us an email. If you're a potential client, we're not going to send it out to you, other, all you agents not listening. For, just anyone off the streets. Yeah. But if you want to list these 54 uh, properties, drop us an email um, and you can potentially be walking a huge, huge equity. Um, and this is amazing. So I did the math on these 54 properties. So the average price of these is $1.8 million, right? So we're not talking about we're not talking about Joe Schmo first transaction. You know, usually you have a $1.8 million listing. So we usually are talking about pretty experienced agents that just mm -hmm. don't have experience in the multifamily sector. Um, and what's amazing is if we take all 54 of these properties currently mislisted, multiply it by that average of $127,000, we're coming up just shy of $100 million in uh, equity that these sellers are going to miss out on because of these mistakes um, that's a hundred million dollars is huge. sum, and here's, here's the kicker. The seller will never know that this mistake was made. They probably have immense trust in their agent. Their agent may be very good at selling single family properties. Um, the seller's never going to know that this mistake was made. And the listing agent often doesn't know that this mistake was made. They so, might know now. <laughs> yeah. So they're selling these properties and then they're walking away at the end and they're thinking, oh, that was a hard sale. But finally we, Finally, my agent did a good job and got me a buyer. Well, they know that that buyer just walked into over a hundred thousand in equity at their expense. Yes. Um, you know, not to harp on certain people and never call on any anyone by name. Um, but I, a few years ago, I had a client that I had helped buy a property that was a legal three unit property, and when they went to go resell it, they chose a different agent to sell it, um, discount agent. And they, they entered the property in it to the MLS as a single family property. Um, and the tax records actually indicated that it was two units, but there was a legal third unit that had been granted a variance. But the only way that you knew that the variance was there is if you know how to use the land records. I actually had this information in my file from the previous time I'd sold the property. So they listed it in the single family section of the MLS mistake number one, then in their description, they indicated that the basement unit was illegal, which it was not. Um, so mistake number two. Um, and I, and actually this is interesting because this property should have sold for about 10,050 and ended up selling for about 950,000. So it sold for a hundred thousand dollars less so that this person could save about nine or $10,000 on commission. Brutal. Yeah. That's brutal. I've been trying to think of funny jokes the whole time you were talking. And no, it just makes you want to cry. There's no jokes. Came up with nothing. Yeah. Oh, well. So if you're looking to list your multifamily, make sure you're listing with people who do multifamily a lot. I know in Baltimore we have individual agents are less likely to sell multifamily. There's like, it's probably the same in D.C., honestly. There's two or three companies that have the real grip on the market as far as marketing and selling small multifamily. Yeah. We're in both places. We're talking about three, four five agents that are really dominating the space and they're doing those things correctly. Like we are, we're doing them correctly. It's these people that have doing these one-offs. They've never sold a multifamily before. And there's a lot of them, right? Um, right? So 200 multifamily sell in DC per year and maybe 125 of them are getting listed properly. It's this other 50 to 75 per year that are 
getting mislisted and it's people doing one-offs. And again, they could be great agents. They just never dealt with a multifamily. Right, right. All right. Well, I think that wraps up yep. discussion about this. <laughs> All right. So if you guys want to list your multifamily or buy a multifamily, walk in this equity, reach out to us and we'll see you guys next week. We've got an awesome guest coming next week. We won't uh, spoil a surprise, but um, the topics are going to go a little more different than we usually do. So we're looking forward to next week. See you guys later. Thanks for listening to the DC Real Estate Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to contact the hosts, reach out to them at info at dcrealestatepodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you access your podcasts. 